This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Scott Chasen, along with Jack Johnson, here to talk some KU football. We're going to start doing these uh, podcasts every week now that the season is here, now that Big 12 play is here, and it looks like the season is actually going to happen. You know, I know it was uh, touch and go for a while. Even when things started, you see a bunch of cancellations, and you wonder how many games you're going to get in, but uh, so far for Kansas, at least, two games on the schedule, two games have been played, and uh, all signs are that again is going to be the case headed to this weekend, a game against Oklahoma State. Uh, Jack, I think the biggest thing going on with the Kansas football program right now in terms of a decision that Les Miles has to make, uh, Brent Deerman has to make, uh, something that can change, something that will change because we'll, we'll get some finality to this, uh, is with the Kansas quarterback spot. Um, the Jayhawks have three options. They've played three guys already this year. Uh, it's not totally dissimilar to last year, um, or, or it wasn't going into the season because Les Miles even said before last season that he might play multiple quarterbacks. Uh, but when the season started last year, Carter, Carter Stanley became the guy. That hasn't quite happened this year. So through two weeks, what do you, what do you make of what you've seen from the quarterbacks? What do you make of their use and? Um, we, we can really start there. What have you seen so far uh, from the three Kansas quarterbacks? Well, I definitely say it's been a little bit disheartening that they've had they've had so much struggle at the quarterback position this year through these these two games. You know, they've had to flip flop between Kendrick and McVitie, and then obviously they went with Daniels against Baylor. But in my eyes, I think they're just gonna have to come down to picking one guy, and that guy to me is going to be Jalen Daniels. The reason why is. There, if they didn't think he was going to be the guy moving forward, I don't know why they would have started him in the Big 12 opener. I mean, if they truly had faith in Kendrick or McVitie, and I understand McVitie was hurt going into that game, I just feel like they would have given Kendrick the snaps, at least for the first few Big 12 games, and not go with the true freshman. I know through this you know, media availability on Monday, and then obviously Hawk Talk, Miles has sort of deflected that and said that they're going to be going, you know, week by week, depending on who the quarterback's going to be. But I think it's more of just a mask to that Daniels is the guy moving forward because there's no harm in it. If they're not, if he's not going to lose a year of eligibility, this is the perfect year to get him some experience. And I think for the most part, he's not giving him the job publicly because he wants to sort of give motivation still to McVitie and Kendrick to battle it out, to get a start maybe a few weeks down the road. Yeah, I think there's some cadence to that. Uh, based off what we've been told from Les Miles, I kind of get the sense that if Thomas McVitie hadn't gotten hurt in that first game, now obviously it depends on how that first game you know, continues to obviously progress, I'm not so sure we would have seen Jalen Daniels last week. But to your point, uh, I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing for this Kansas program to turn the keys over to a young freshman and, and give him the chance. Now, 
uh, anyone who's listened to me or, or read what I've been writing on any other platform um, has probably heard me say that uh, there is a point of diminishing returns, by which I mean if you roll Jalen Daniels out there uh, for nine games and he looks exactly the same that he did against Baylor and he's taking, you know, uh, however many hits he's taking, you know, double-digit number uh, over and over week after week, I think you do risk hurting a guy's confidence. You risk setting him up for for kind of bad situations. So, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure Kansas wanted to turn to him this early, and I kind of think that's why you've seen what you alluded to. Uh, Les Miles basically come out and say, you know, the, the competition is going to be ongoing. I think he said right after the game that they might rethink how they were going to handle it on Monday. Uh, he was asked about it again, and, and he made it very clear that he had not named Jalen Daniels the starter uh, in an interview or on the Big 12 teleconference. And then on Wednesday on Hawk Talk again, he says this competition is going to continue. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is. I think there are probably two schools of thought. The first is, you know, what what's going to help you in the win-now mode? And, and Jack, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. We'll start on this kind of narrow lens. I don't think Jalen Daniels helps this team now, most most likely. It's possible he could improve rapidly, but but I'm very skeptical of Kansas winning a game this year if Jalen Daniels is at quarterback. However, I think it could be very good for Jalen Daniels' development, and then again, the long term of the program, especially because, as you mentioned, this year is a free year of eligibility for everyone. Exactly. And I think one of the toughest things for this KU program is they're lacking in certain areas, but also have a lot of returning members, especially that wide receivers core. They've got a lot of returning members coming there where you would have hoped, you know, they had Carter Stanley for one more year, McVitie or Kendrick was able to take sole possession of that starting job, that they could have a pretty fluent offense. But to the point about Daniels, you know, starting the rest of the season, yes, it's tough to see a win in there just simply off off of how the Baylor game went, there were times where he looked pretty calm, collected in some drives, and there were times that he looked completely overwhelmed. And that's just going to happen with a 17-year-old true freshman. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about the progress of the KU football program, they've never truly had that quarterback to build around for multiple years. It's been incoming JUCO transfers or guys they didn't trust in the beginning and then eventually gave snap to snaps to later in their career. You know, guys that come to uh, my mind are guys like Michael Cummings, uh, Montel Cozart, uh, obviously Carter Stanley. Peyton Bender was probably the closest thing where he started back-to-back years. But again, KU's never had that guy to develop two, three, four years to have a quarterback that you can say, every year going in, he's our guy. And I think, yes, it's tough to see them eking out a win in this, you know, tough Big 12 conference where you have to be able to put up points to win in this conference, it's tough seeing KU being able to sneak out one there. But if we're talking about the next season, if Daniels gets that that work in this year, faces the Texases, the Oklahomas, the Oklahoma States, I think it just puts you a step further in your development process and this rebuild as a whole. I, I think that's totally fair. Now, I'll, I'll make the counter argument too, because I'm sure there are some people out there who who feel a little differently. And and, you know, I'm, I'm most intrigued by Thomas McVitie. You know, I, I don't have anything against Miles Kendrick, but I think it's pretty clear from how the first game was handled and then the second game was handled uh, that the staff probably views, if it comes down to Miles Kendrick or Jalen Daniels, they see more value in giving Jalen Daniels the opportunities as compared to Miles Kendrick. 
Now, Thomas Papiti is interesting because he would be a senior this year, but instead, you know, he gets that chance to, to return. And, you know, I, I go back to the Coastal Carolina game, and obviously I, I wrote a film room about this. You can see it most easily find it on the, the fog.net VIP board. But if you search um, Thomas McFitty was better than you uh, thought and fog.net, you'll be able to find it on just with like a Google search. Uh, you know, his numbers were pretty bad, 5 for 9, 20 yards, one pick. Uh, he did have 37 rushing yards on six carries, basically on three drives because uh, his fourth drive was ended on two plays by a fumble that wasn't his fault. Uh, but when you go back and look at the film, uh, his performance kind of tells a different story than the numbers, and, and pro football focus actually graded him out in the 80s, uh, which is a very, very good grade for a quarterback uh, for that performance. Typically, quarterbacks do not score as highly uh, as other positions because they're being asked to do so many different things. Kendrick, for reference, scored in the 50s uh, for the opener. So McVitty, you know, he had two first downs that he had thrown balls that drew penalties, including a defensive pass interference on a perfectly placed uh, deep ball. He had another 40-yard-plus throw that hit Andrew Parchment in both hands in the end zone. Uh, Now, it was great defense, might have been pass interference, wasn't called, uh, but that's an incomplete pass that, again, you know, a terrific throw. And then, obviously, McVitty ran for three first downs, too, Uh, On every full drive he got, he moved the offense into at least field goal range, at least scoring position. Um, So I think that's something you can't necessarily discount in terms of if you're Kansas and you you say, who's going to be the guy for next year? Well, hey, if you get Thomas McFitty back and you feel good about him, um, I think that probably changes the equation. If that were true, though, I'd then say, hey, why were you mixing it up in the opener? Why were you switching off? quarterbacks in in game one if you really believe in this guy you know you should probably stick with one guy for game one so uh, Jack anything to add there just the argument where where you would say hey maybe go with one of the veteran guys you know maybe that'll that'll help you more next year and and give Daniels a couple couple years to sit can you take devil's advocate on that position yeah I just have a quick thing to add on McVitie um he is a guy I definitely wanted to see take full responsibility of the starting job. I wanted there to be that quarterback controversy throughout camp that it was sort of to mask who KU was really going to send out there. But then I wanted him in that Coastal Carolina game to go out and just take take reins of the offense and he's the guy moving forward, just like Stanley was the year prior. But the thing that's really you know sticking out to me is that we just simply don't know the severity of this injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miles has said, you know, if he's healthy, we're, we're going to you know put him in that conversation. But I, I just don't know if it's one of those lingering things, if he's just banged up. We just simply don't know at this point. And mm-hmm. to me, the fact that it's not so much that he, we haven't really found out if he's been practicing a lot, if he's improved from there. I think right now for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be Daniels or Kendrick. And if we get to week three, four, five, and McVitie's still banged up and he's still battling that injury, I think at that point it's got to be Daniels throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and to your point on McVitie, it's – you know, it, it appeared when I saw it happen to be a shoulder injury. Um, you know, it, it's, it, especially if it's a throwing shoulder, I, I'm not really sure. Either shoulder are going to affect your mechanics, obviously, a lot. So that that's a very important thing to note. Um, McVitie has also been a little injury prone um, on the throughout his career. And, and then I would just add to that, on the note of a potential return, you know, he was dressed for the last game. It looked like he was good to go. Uh, but Les Miles after the game said he was unavailable due to injury. So I found that interesting too, because that could support what you just said. You know, this idea, maybe something's lingering. Um, now, Miles Kendrick, give him some due here for the, the Coastal Carolina game. 
He went 15 for 24, 156 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, I mentioned the lower pro football focus grade earlier, and if you're wondering why that is, I'll explain it to you. Um, If you go back and watch, I believe he was sacked twice. He had four carries for 11 yards with a long of of three. Uh, Jack, I don't know how you feel about this real quick. I think Thomas McVitie is by far the fastest quarterback. Like if you lined all three up and put them in a straight line, I think Jalen Daniels is probably has the best escapability, but, but I think Thomas McVitie is a very good runner and I, I wouldn't discount that. I think he's fast. I, I'll give you that. There was a, there was a play in that opening drive of the coast of Carolina game on a third down where he managed to escape the pocket and I think run 20 or 20 or so yards down the field and looked pretty fleet footed for the most part. I would say that I think Daniels, to your point there, is quicker and more mobile. I would say like side-to-side movement. Um, that's sure. how he's able to escape the pocket. So at that point, I'm just wondering what's the better benefit? A quarterback that's you know fast in the open field like McVitie can be, but not as great escaping the pocket or you know moving around sacks? Or do you want a guy like Daniels who's still pretty quick in open field, but there were times he showed throughout the game where he was able to escape the grasp of a Baylor defensive lineman and extend the play. So, but I, I will agree with you there. McVitie is a lot faster than I thought he was before the season started. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Sure. And so, again, just jumping back to Kendrick um, and maybe that pro football focus grade, uh, you, you go back and look at some of the plays. He had a throw, I believe, to Parchment um, or a receiver. It was a short route to the left where the ball really hung up and the defensive back just sort of waited on it. I guess not, maybe not realizing there was a receiver by him. Maybe uh, he didn't see the ball. It was kind of an odd play, but it, it should have been intercepted. It should have been a second interception. And even on one of his touchdown throws, he actually identified the wrong guy. Uh, he made a great throw to the back corner of the end zone. It was a tremendous throw, but he had a guy wide open uh, on the goal line for what would have been, you know, one of the easiest throws of his career. And pro football focus does look at things like that. They look at, you know, are you making the right play? How well are you making this play? So you can come away with, you know, 156 yards, two touchdowns, and yet get a lower grade than a guy who threw for 20 yards and in an interception because that guy may have been making all the right plays and McVitie's interception was tipped by a receiver. Um, Whereas you might not have always made the right plays, uh, even if you led more scoring drives. So I I do think Miles Kendrick, I I do think he's still in the mix. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what the quarterback position looks like, but you know, we can, we can also give some numbers, some context to, to what Jalen Daniels did against Baylor. Uh, He was 20 for 35, 172 yards, no touchdowns. He should have probably had one. Velton Gardner dropped a ball. Uh, No interceptions, probably should have had at least two. Uh, He had two dropped on the same drive, and then another one dropped on another drive. So you can't say three um, because the the two on the same drive, obviously the second one wouldn't have happened if the first one happened. Uh, But probably should have had a couple picks. He did have two fumbles. Uh, One was related to a snap, one maybe – um, just some mechanics of how he was holding the ball. And I, I think it was a fake handoff, but they recovered both of them. I believe he recovered both of them. So uh, no turnovers there. 
14 carries, 23 yards, long of 11. He did take four sacks, one for a safety. Um, and he also he also missed Andrew Parchment uh, pretty wide open deep. Uh, it, it's one of those moments that if you're a freshman, you look at that play and you say, okay, this guy's got a huge arm. He identified an open receiver. That's a good thing. Th- those are good things. If he's a sophomore, junior, or senior, you say, hey, you need to hit your wide open receiver for a touchdown. You, you don't get those shots all the time. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of see it. I, I can see all sides of his performance. I saw some great flashes. And I think the thing that impressed me most about Jalen Daniels is that he got hit God knows how many times. And and I mean pummeled at times where, you know, someone speared his head into the ground when he's sliding. Uh, he took some tough hits. And every time he pops right back up, you know, sometimes maybe, like you said, may, maybe his eyes weren't in the right spot. Maybe he looks a little overwhelmed, whatever. But, but I was really, um, I, I found it promising. I found it probably inviting for the future for a lot of KU fans that, you know, he, he stayed in there, he hung in there, uh, he kept making throws, he kept doing his thing in the pocket, moving around, even when, you know, at times the line was kind of letting him down. Uh, I thought that was promising poise, I would say, uh, from a, a 17-year-old freshman playing in his first game on the road in the Big 12. Definitely. And one of the things that really surprised me about that whole Baylor game in a sense, was that I, when I, going into this, when there were rumors floating around that Daniels may get the start, it made me think back to the time where KU ended up starting Montel Cozart for that West Virginia game, where KU eventually ended up winning, snapping their long Big 12 losing streak. But where I tried to make the comparison to both was that I remember during that year, there were games where Cozart came in Big 12 play. I think I remember specifically like Baylor came in and Baylor won 60-some to... 10 or 14, but Kozar got a lot of snaps in that game. And they sort of worked him in slowly to those games that were blowouts and then gave him the keys to the offense against a West Virginia team who was towards the bottom of the conference. What really stood out to me in the Baylor game was, obviously, you know, two games in, McVitie was hurt, and Miles said that flat out, Daniels beat Kendrick in the quarterback battle. But to go up against a Baylor team that's still pretty solid, returned a lot of offensive guys, not so much defensive guys, but it felt like in the moment it might have been like throwing him to the wolves where the line wasn't as great. Um, you know, the defense isn't always able to get off the field. So he's put in a pressured situation on the road against a good Baylor team. And that's his, you know, he threw two passes in the Coastal Carolina game. So I'm not really considering that a lot of reps in a blowout game. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. that's basically, you know, true freshman, any 17 years old giving him the offense two games in. And I think that just shows how much, you know, trust Miles and Dearman have in Daniels to lead this offense. And it was even apparent in the post-game interviews. You had guys like Puka Williams say he's he behaves just like a veteran. He does just what veterans do. Andrew Parchment said that. And he said, you know, uh, when he got hit really hard, and that, they asked him if he was okay, and he said he definitely, well, you know, he's popping back up. He's smiling on, out there in the field. He didn't appear rattled. There were times he didn't look polished, but there was not a moment in that game where I looked at him and just thought he flat out looks lost out there, deer in the headlights. He, for the most part, was handling adversity. Now, going back to that overthrow to Parchment, that was a you know a freshman moment, but I truly believe if he hits Parchment in that play, that puts KU up, I think, 14 nothing at that point. All the momentum on the Yeah, that's two touchdowns and two drives from him as a freshman. 
you know, that's that's where you want to take away a positive and think if KU scores there, they're going to be in that game in the first half. I think the defense is playing well. They would have a two-score lead at that point. That's where it could have been interesting. Those are those flashes of positivity where Daniels down the road hits that throw. Are you finding yourself in a, you know, 30 to 28 game against TCU or playing Iowa State close or playing K-State close? Those are the things that I've noticed that Miles and Dearman have so much trust in them. They see those flashes of being a, you know, pretty solid starting quarterback in the Big 12 a few years from now. And, you know, even though he had those freshman moments against Baylor, he just really impressed me overall with that start and with how many hits he took having to deal with you and getting sacked four times and got sacked hard in all four of those times to be able to keep himself composed as a 17-year-old. I mean, I, I know I couldn't even do that if I was a football player right now at 21. I mean, it's absurd that he was able to go there on the road, first college start, and perform as well as he did in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. I, at first I thought you were talking about the Velton Gardner throw, the, the Andrew Parchment throw, I get what you're saying, up up 14 nothing at that point. And then, I mean, it makes the game totally different. Kansas turned the ball over on downs around midfield. Baylor scores a touchdown. I think that next drive was the Velton Gardner play where, you know, Velton Gardner is open. He just drops the ball. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden you could be looking at a game, even if Baylor gets that touchdown, that Kansas is up 21 to seven on the road against Baylor. You know, you continue to play out the half. Baylor got a, a field goal on their next possession. So it's now 21, 10, uh, you, you know, it's a totally different game situation. I, I think momentum is a very real thing, and that doesn't necessarily mean Kansas would have won. Baylor scored 40 points in a row, uh, but I did think Jalen Daniels had some good moments early. I, I will say this, because I, I agree. I said he was poised. Uh, I, I think there are times, I don't know if it was lost focus. I don't know if it was the defense reacting. I don't know if it was the offense letting up. I, I think there were times that while he kept his poise, he lost his control of things. And what I mean by that is maybe, you know, stepping out of the pocket or looking eyes in the wrong places, maybe not understanding where to go. Because quite frankly, I know some people ask me a few questions about Brent Deerman after the game. I think I think if you go back and watch that game and particularly watch for the wide receivers and look at it kind of more from the all 22 perspective as compared to the normal game perspective, you'd see there were a lot of wide open receivers and a lot of opportunities to get them the ball. But that's also where you have to understand, hey, this guy's a true freshman. You know, I, I think I wrote this in my grades. I wrote, you know, we're not going to grade on a curve because the can't, the quarterback position for any school is too important. You don't grade it on a curve. So just going off what happened, and that's Kansas scores seven and then gives up 40 straight, you know, that's an F. But that's not, like, bad. It, it, people like to jump on, like, the, the first part of that, but that's not bad. You're, this is a learning experience. And I promise you, Jalen Daniels did some good things and he learned a lot more things that I think will help him moving forward. So, you know, I, I like I said, if this is the level of performance it's going to be the rest of the year, I, I would wait a few more games before you go to him full time because, you know, you don't want to get him banged up or hurt or, or you know, you don't want to crush his confidence. But if he does show some, some, you know, a pretty reasonable level of improvement. I think you'll look back on this and say this laid the groundwork because you saw some of the little flashes and then maybe you start to see how it all comes together. So Jack, I'll I'll give you the final thought on this before we head out. Yeah. I I mean, 
in a perfect world, Jalen Daniels was going to be able to step into a situation where it was the environment that they needed. They have an offense set for him. They've got a solid line and he's able to take over this offense and go from there. Unfortunately, that's just not where KU is right now. You know, they've had quarterback controversy for years and especially this year, it was going to be even tougher than last year because they really didn't return a lot of experience in comparison to 2019. So it is tough to say right now, give him the starting job. I would like to see them give him the start for the rest of the year, but especially going into this game against Oklahoma State, that's another really, really tough opponent with a great defense mm-hmm. for him to start. But it's a, it's a tough spot for KU because you want to be able to start building that foundation and you know lock in a guy for the next three, four years to be your quarterback. But it, it, ju- it does feel tough, just like you said, to do that right now. Um, so I just think heading into this game Saturday – I'd, I'd lean towards them starting him just because I don't know if, if McVitie is healthy. Uh, like, mm-hmm. if McVitie is healthy, I could see Miles sticking with him because I feel like that is the guy he wanted to be the starter from the get-go. But if he's still nicked up, I, I see Daniels getting another start in this game. Um, and then if he's there, like I said earlier, three or four weeks down the road, he's still getting those starts. I'd imagine he just goes from there. So should be exciting to see on Saturday who they throw out there. It's probably going to be up in the air for the rest of the season on who's mm-hmm. going to be the starting quarterback for at least the opening drive. But yeah, it should be exciting to watch here on Saturday. Yeah, look, I've been covering this team long enough to remember when Tyreek Starks was the uh, uh, quarterback yeah. of the future at Kansas and you know any number of names you think about. You know, Ryan Willis uh, was another one who, uh, for some time, especially when he took over, it was kind of that same idea that, hey, maybe this is, you know, just going to be the guy who takes the job. They've been looking for that at Kansas. And, you know, oh, by the way, credit to Jalen Daniels. I mean, think about this. His offensive line didn't get a spring. You know, everything was limited over the summer. I know some people have said, uh, I think the broadcast might have mentioned like, well, he got to go over everything on video extra times. But, you know, that's that's obviously not the same thing as, as having a normal build up to the season. So it, it'll be really interesting to see what they do. Um, obviously we'll learn a little bit more on Saturday and, and then learn a little bit more every Saturday after that. So uh, thank you very much uh, everyone for listening, for joining us on the fog.net podcast. Again, we'll have some new episodes uh, midweek each week during uh, the rest of football season. Then obviously with basketball season too. So uh, make sure to head to fog.net uh, for all your KU content. Jack, your Twitter is it will be at Johnny J fifteen, and you spell Johnny. Uh, just yep, J O H N Y. One N. It's infuriating. I am at Jason Scott, spelled like it sounds. Thanks for joining us on the Fog.net podcast. We'll talk to you next week. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.